0: You're listening to Sky Women's Health Podcast, your evidence-based resource for women's health and wellness. Exploring the holistic principles of osteopathy, integrating mind, body, and spirit, designed to empower you as your own healthcare advocate and help you live your best life. I'm your host, board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Carolyn Moyers. Dr. Moyers, welcome back to Sky Women's Health. Today, we're diving into the linev- levonorgestrel IUD, so a progesterone-producing IUD, and its use in perimenopause and menopause, and why this may be of benefit, and so I'm just going to jump into that now, because last week, we talked about progesterone intolerance and how that... Um, some people don't tolerate progesterone really well, and you may have more symptoms of breast tenderness and acne and nausea, etc. And we recommended that a progesterone IUD may be a reasonable option. And so you may have, have some follow-up questions in regards to that. Um, the reason that we give progesterone in perimenopause menopausal hormone therapy is because of the concern for endometrial hyperplasia. And so when we're taking an estrogen replacement therapy, right? So we have to keep that baseline of the endometrium creating hyperplasia and potentially malignancy. We have to keep that down at baseline. And so in order to do that, we have to give you a progesterone that is typically given orally. But if you have significant intolerance, we can try changing the dose. We can try giving it vaginally, or we can give it locally with a progesterone producing IUD. So this would take a copper IUD off the table. If we remove that, we have four other IUD, um, progesterone producing IUDs that are manufactured in the U.S. Um, I tend to not use Kylina or Skyla for perimenopause and menopause. Um, I much prefer a Marina because it's got 52 um, milligrams of lenorgesterol and it's releasing a 20 micrograms daily. Um, I think that Liletta would probably be also be a reasonable option. These have both been approved for up to eight years now for pregnancy prevention. My question is how long are they going to maintain like an amenorrheic state if you achieve that with the progesterone producing IUD, which doesn't always happen, um, for up to eight years as well. Previously, these were approved for five years. So why might this be the best option for you, especially if you have sensitivity to progesterone. The reason I love it is that your provider, your doctor puts it in and it stays in place. Um, and it has less systemic side effects. And whenever we look at it in comparison, there was actually an NIH study that looked at it in comparison, um, to oral progesterone and, um, well, it was actually a literature review. So let me very, be very specific. It was not a randomized controlled trial. It was a literature review looking at all of the um, studies in regards to levonorgestrel IUD. And <clears throat> it is a safe dosage uh, and a great option when combined with estrogen therapy. And it may be clinically superior to other progesterone doses, such as oral or vaginal, in regard to side effect profile and the additional benefit is that it provides contraception for women in perimenopause who are, we, we know during this phase, if you are in perimenopause, you are generally not trying to get pregnant, not wanting to get pregnant, knowing that you're Incidence of pregnancy is probably significantly less. However, let's not test the waters. We need to have some form of birth control. So levonorgestrel IUD is very effective. It is as effective as having your tubes size, but it has the benefit of being reversible. If um, you are wanting to relate this use in a younger patient, or if you have a daughter or somebody who might be interested in using it, it has the benefit of being reversible and there is no delay in return to ovulatory cycle. Um, that can happen very rapidly. So, okay, so now we understand why it is beneficial. I want to talk about it specifically in regards to the um, American College of OBGYN uh, position statement. They talk about long active reversible contraception. Um, there is an implant, which is not one that I recommend as part of hormone therapy. It is more of a systemic effect and generally not tolerated as well. And that is the uh, Next plan on, which is the implant that goes into the arm. So again, we're focusing this conversation specifically on a levonorgestrel containing intrauterine device. Let's talk a little bit about um, the IUD. So its use has actually increased in the last decade or so. We've seen an uptick, which is great. Um, I think more providers are, are offering it. Um, it is actually, um, contra- it is not a contraindication to have never had a baby before, and it is not a contraindication, um, to be an adolescent. So, um, I think that's a lot, really important for a lot of moms to know when it comes to that. And I'm saying this because we had a, um, an uptick in, in teen patients who actually came into the clinic for their first um, visit this last, last week. Okay, um, specifically looking at long-acting reversible contraception devices and the levonorgestrel IUD, I think I already said that it releases 20 micrograms per day um, locally at the uterus, so it thins the lining of the uterus, it um, increases the viscosity of the cervical mucus, making it impermeable to sperm. The overall complications of an IUD are really uncommon. Like they could be expulsion. Your body recognizes it as a foreign object and cramp, cramp pushes it out. Um, Method failure, meaning get pregnant, which that is um, significantly low. Um, There's about one per 1000 IUD insertions. And expulsion um, is about 2% in the first year. Um, And so that's why I always bring somebody back in uh, four weeks after and we confirm placement. And then perforation. So it could perforate through the wall of the uterus. So those, and that is, again, very rare. Um, Perforation rate is um, 1.4 per 1,000 IUD insertions. Um, I have seen um, IUD perforations in residency training where we may not have been as skilled in IUD insertions, but I personally have not ever had an IUD perforation, knock on wood. Um, so fairly uncommon um, that any of these things would potentially happen. But of course, we've always heard, hear horror stories. People love to share our horror stories when we're considering an IUD, right? They're typically very rare for those things to happen. Now, the only real contraindications to having an IUD placed would be a significant um, like sepsis or, or infection, you know, like we typically are not going to want to put it in. Uh, well, obviously we would never put it in in pregnancy. We're, um, not going to put it in when you have like a pelvic inflammatory infection. Um, you know, there are or as, you know, postpartum sepsis or something of that nature, but typically, you know, that's not the category we are are looking at in this situation, but you know, somebody with obesity or a history of bariatric surgery or cardiovascular disease, um, or a history of deep vein thrombosis, like typically there's not a contraindication, really. There's not a reason why I would say you absolutely can't have this IUD. Now, if you've had, you know, if you have large fibroids that are blocking, um, placement, you know, some abnormal uterine anatomy that would prevent insertion, then that might be a contraindication and a conversation to be had because there may be something else that needs to be done for you. But typically, a very safe device, very few complications. The thing I love about it is that it has an indication for heavy menstrual bleeding. So if perimenopausal. Funky periods are driving you insane. I love it because it provides effective improvement in your bleeding profile. So typically, bleed less, cramp less, have less periods. Now, let's address a common concern, and that is pain with insertion, right? And that is completely valid. There is a a New York Times article from May tenth of twenty two. That was titled What to Know Before Getting an IUD and discusses advancements in technology and improved insertion techniques that can significantly um, minimize the pain associated with the procedure. So, I want to be very specific about this. Like, are there options? Absolutely. An IUD insertion is generally well tolerated. Typically, for most patients who aren't nervous and anxious about the procedure, will do 800 milligrams of Motrin one hour prior to the procedure. They could also do one gram of Tylenol prior to the procedure if they don't tolerate Motrin well. And this is pretty much standard of care and oftentimes given in the office, which is not my preferred. I really want that taken prior to coming in because it takes about an hour to kick in. So that is is easy, right? No brainer. 100% do that. But then what if you have a lot of anxiety? What if you have a history of trauma? What if um you have know you have a low pain threshold or you passed out last time you had something like this done and you want to be better prepared. So you could do an anxiolytic Um, So your doctor could give you a medication to help reduce your anxiety and could also give you a narcotic. Now, obviously you're going to have to have somebody to drive you home from the procedure if um, you're going this route. Um, We could also do a cervical block, a paracervical block to help with pain insertion. Of course, that requires a needle, inserting a very tiny needle, but nonetheless a needle and injecting a a variety of lidocaine um, into the cervix. Um, to help with pain, um, and then we also have an option of. Well, some centers may have an option of doing it under anesthesia. That oftentimes is very much limited by um, limited by your insurance and whether insurance would cover that. It might be a value to you if you have significant concern about the procedure, or if your cervix had to be dilated for insertion. For goodness' sakes, like we're going to want a little more anesthesia, so. Uh, One option that I'm working on to bring into the office this um, year is Pronox, which is a nitrous oxide, which can help with reducing anxiety and also is patient controlled. So you're able to control the amount of nitrous that you breathe in and it gives you this level of, of comfort. Um, It's kind of similar to laughing gas in the dentist office, except for you have control of how much you um, intake, and it's a pretty cool option. We trialed it um, last month and then did a post procedure survey with our patients, and it was the response was very favorable. So, um, definitely ask if you're having an IUD inserted. Um, I think it's important for you to ask your provider, what are they going to do for pain control? What options are available? And also, you know, how often do you insert IUDs? Because I think experience matters in terms of um, proper placement um, and avoiding complications. So if you're holding back due to fear of pain during insertion, it might be time to kind of reconsider and have those conversations with your provider. And remember that you're in the driver's seat. If you don't feel comfortable with the answers you're receiving, then get a second opinion. Okay, so we've talked about levonorgestrel IUD offers a viable option, an effective alternative for um, progesterone replacement during hormone therapy and perimenopause and menopause with the added benefit of it being localized delivery and providing contraception during that perimenopausal period and the reduction of heavy menstrual bleeding and if we can minimize discomfort during IUD insertion, it's really a compelling choice for those of you who may be seeking effective hormone therapy until next week. Be well. Thank you for joining me on sky women's health podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date with our latest content. This episode is proudly sponsored by Sky Women's Health, your go-to destination for midlife gynecology and DFW, specializing in perimenopause, menopause care, sexual medicine, and a unique thing we offer is osteopathic manipulative treatment for pregnant and postpartum patients. While we are nobody's primary OB, we collaborate with your OB to provide you comfort through your pregnancy. Stay tuned for more empowering discussions. Until next time, be well.